This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond. Welcome to our show. We are here at the Perez Art Museum of Miami uh, with what has to be the most lovely background of a live soccer podcast you've ever seen. We're right behind, right in front of Biscayne Bay. Some nice foliage here. Uh, I'm Matthew Bunch, Drew Hausman with me this evening, and we got a special guest on for a bit. Mr. Kartik Krishnayar. Kartik, how are you doing, sir? It's great to be with you, Matt. Great to see you, Drew. We see Drew at every game, at every team in South Florida. If it's between Palm Beach and Miami, Drew's there. So I'm used to seeing him. Great to see you, Matt. Good to see you, too. And, uh, Drew, I didn't mean to not introduce you formally, but Uh, I wanted to... I'm doing great. I I just think this would be a beautiful site for a soccer-specific stadium, but uh, it's uh, kind of an old idea. I wonder if anyone has thought of that before. Ah, hmm. Maybe a floating island out there? Yeah, right, just over there across the bay. Water slide entrance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh boy! Hit, hitting all the notes. Look, it's downtown, gentlemen. It's downtown. Downtown Miami. <laughs> so we have a lot to talk about. You know, we're, we're in a uh, beautiful venue for art. Uh, their World Cup specific soccer uh, exposition is currently going on here at the PAM. But we're going to focus on the sport first, and we're going to talk about some of the games that Miami FC and Miami United have had in the last week or so. Let's go back before we get to the big game that. People were talking about the Open Cup uh, match. Let's talk about a match that Kartik, we saw you at. Uh, Miami FC 2 versus Boca Raton FC. Uh, 5-0 win for Miami FC. It was, it, was, it was a game where it appeared they were building some momentum. Uh, again, you were there covering, you were there seeing it. What did you see from that match? Yeah, I, I really liked the fact that Paul, Coach Paul Daglish, uh, was able to have a plan B in that game. The pitch wasn't in good shape. We've had a month of rain to in South Florida. Yeah, to say the least. <laughs> Uh, I know Paul and Darren and, and, and company were very concerned about the pitch. A lot of long balls to Suarez and Tierpak on the wings. And then you saw Jaime Chavez, who, of course, I said would get going. Uh, Drew, we were talking about it during the, uh, during the previous game, uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale Storm game at Central Broward. Once Jaime scored, just like last season, he'd get going. And he had, two go- he had a brace against Fort Lauderdale. He had a brace against Boca. Um, the thing I did not like is that Miami FC did not keep possession well, but maybe that had to do with the pitch. Uh, 5-0, you can't complain about it, but then, um, well, I guess we'll get to Wednesday in a minute, to, to the Jacksonville game, right? Absolutely. But the Boca game, um, I thought for Boca there were some good signs too, right? I mean, I've got my split loyalties. I, I do work for Boca. I do work with, obviously, Silva and Miami FC. So uh, that's like that was like the Cardiff Cup. <laughs> yes, yeah, if you don't know, Kartik is the, is the plugged-in of plugged-in uh, South Florida soccer people, so it's it's why we're so lucky to have him uh, on this evening. Uh, yeah, Boca. I mean, it was Miami FC's talent gap. I think showed, and as you said, Kartik, the the plan B, that kind of long ball aerial attack, it paid off in spades. Yeah, and I thought that uh, Coy Craft was really good in that game. That was the first time he looked fit uh, since coming to Miami FC. He got hurt in preseason. Uh, I've heard so much about him from. Uh, from the guys in OKC, the former general manager there was a good friend of mine, told me how good he is, and I've heard about him from the guys in Dallas, and never really saw it with Miami FC. And then when we saw him in the Open Cup game against Miami United, he didn't look, he looked off the pace. He came on, right, in the second half in that game after Tierpock got sent off. But he looked really good in that game. I like Jeff Michaud. I think he's been giving a lot. 
out there. So I was happy with the midfield play from Miami FC. Uh, obviously, Ronella not in the team. It seems to have been working okay without him in the midfield. Uh, controversially, I know you guys have talked about this on previous shows, <laughs> Ronella being dropped to that number six position. Um, but up front, it's wor- it worked. Again, we have to forget, a- we'll talk about the Jacksonville game in a minute, but it worked with Chavez and then Tierpak, especially running down that wing, uh, creating chances. And uh, Jaime is hungry and he's a goal scorer. And he did a lot of the dirty work and uh, movement last year that gave Pino and uh, and uh, Ronella the chances to score goals in NASL play. So we know Jaime Chavez is an accomplished striker. So I was I was pleased with what we saw from uh, Miami FC, and it was nice to see Vega get a night off and be able to kind of recharge his batteries because he's been so important this season. Yeah, I mean Vega's played probably ninety eight percent of Miami FC's yeah, games well, over yeah, the last two or so years. Game. Yeah, I mean Herman did a great job too. Boca had you know there were a couple opportunities, but Herman came up big on a couple of them where. Maybe if you had another like novice backup keeper, those would have gone in. I think Boko is missing a couple of key players in the midfield, yeah, yeah, which may have affected the game a little. But um, yeah, like Jaime Chavez, once he got going, first two goals. I think Dario Suarez had a good game too. Uh, you know, maybe it was an unint- unintentional plan uh, from Daglish as a pl- as a plan B. Yeah. I think it just kind of happened that way, where they just got there and it was a trash field, and they just said launch it. But. Uh, they did a good job uh, in typical Chavez fashion. I think he had a couple offside plays, or there, yes. there was a couple offside things going Star on. Park, yeah, outside. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they wound up with the PK. I think McFarland had a good game too. He, he ended up netting a goal. I like seeing him there. Uh, yes. Uh, what did you think about McFarland playing up top? Because this is something I questioned Paul about after the first game of the season against Miami United, the one-one draw, where he threw McFarland up top late and thought that's kind of a strange thing to do. But it seemed to work in the Boca game. Yeah, and he, he was playing really far in advance, and I noticed uh, Coy Kraft, uh, I think, was playing more of a defensive midfield role. It seemed weird, like he was kind of covering when every time uh, every time uh, he went up. So it, it was a weird switch off. But then again, we've seen Daglish throwing a, a backup keeper as a as a player in a game. So uh, NPSL, anything's on the table. <laughs> yeah, Lionel Brown's history with Fort Lauderdale with the Strikers was, uh, and obviously those of you who don't know, I worked for the Strikers for a long time, as I think uh, most people know. Um, Lionel w- had played in four games with the Strikers. Three of them were against San Antonio as a keeper, which it just was this irony always. So now he's got a game in the field against Miami United on his uh, on his um, history, historical sheet, too. Can I name that fourth game? Yeah, Laredo Heat Open Cup. Yes, where, he got sent off. Yep, I was there. I was he got there. Sent off. That's right. Yep. Drew was there. No, he, he stayed in the game. They sent off a defender. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, right. that's right. Yes. Classic U.S. Open Cup. I think that was 2016 or 15 or. I'm sitting between <laughs> the the, the Alexandria <laughs> of South Florida soccer libraries uh, right here, man. It's it's impressive. So you know it's bad when you go deep into Lionel Brown uh, starts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you drop Laredo Heat references. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah that's that's. Uh, so uh, that that game taken care of, a good result for Miami FC. Important result as they're they're trying to build off the momentum from the game against Storm. They had been they had been undefeated in in conference play, although they hadn't gotten the results they wanted against that kind of top tier competition. And speak of the devil, top tier competition comes in in Jacksonville uh, Armada. They travel up ninety five. They head to Duval, and they get a chance to go up against Jacksonville. And for as high as you were after the Boca game, man, that, that was a deflating game, an unfortunate game for Miami FC. 
Yeah, man, I, I'm uh, impressed because you're the guy who's supposed to hold us to account, those of us who sit on the other side of the desk often. Uh, PR speak, undefeated Miami FC. It just certainly didn't feel like it. I mean, it felt like those draws felt like losses at the beginning of the year. Let's be honest. No, I agree. That's why I said you were, you were undefeated, but right. there was caveat, uh, you know, asterisk, asterisk there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yesterday was, uh, uh, it was bad. I, I know, uh, Drew, you probably missed the game because you were at the Miami United game, which is much more exciting to talk about, Ruth, quite frankly. <laughs> um, Jacksonville scored early. The defense, the shape wasn't good on the pitch. Um, another red card. Another red card. This time it was red. Yes. Um, you know, the core of the team is still intact from last year, but when you take Richie out of the team, Richie Ryan, Michael Hood, and Blake, uh, those three guys in particular, I know Poku and Pino everyone likes to talk about because they scored goals, but we can still score goals this year. Yeah. It's that at the back there are mistakes that are being made because the glue in front of the back four isn't there, the leadership, and then you've taken Blake out of that back four. And even though uh, Red Bernstein, Tyler Ruthven, Mason Trafford, all really experienced professional players, there are mistakes that weren't being made last season. Yeah. And we saw a number of them again last night. We saw a number of them in the Open Cup against Miami United. And really, um, I know some of the people around here and people I work with aren't going to be happy about this, uh, me saying this, but I felt like we weren't in the game until, we being Miami FC, I should be more neutral than that, Miami FC wasn't in the game until the 80th minute. It just didn't seem like I would agree wholeheartedly. Ter terribly interested until until Red got sent off, and then it's like, oh gosh, let's try and get rally up the troops. Yeah, and, yes. yeah. and we've seen too, that too often this season where Miami FC will come out and play well for 30 minutes, then go to pieces, or will be disinterested, and then late in the game will be trying to chase games down. Um, there is a uh, a real problem playing consistently for 90 minutes, and even in the Boca game, even in the five 0 against Boca, there were large portions of that match where Boca were the better team. And it's just I would say the same for the Palm Beach United game. Yeah. It, it was yes. a, I know it was terrible conditions, uh, you know, slick AstroTurf, but for a while, you know, it, it seemed like nobody was really into the game and they were kind of letting Palm Beach push them around a little. But then, you know, they got the luck of getting a, a red card and getting a PK, which was ultimately was the only goal in that game. But without that, it could have easily gone to a nil-nil tie. But um, I think part of the other reasoning and I guess the justification for Daglish putting Ranella in the midfield was what you're saying we lost all these solid experienced players in the midfield which then leaves the experienced players in the back line getting exposed where so many times we've seen kind of Bernstein and I, I think uh, our, our buddy Lee Iffens put in the chat it's it's Mason and uh, Polak are solid on the other side but the Rhett Ruthven combination or just somehow that side and it could be the midfielders above them too but that side's getting punched hard every game and I think it's more of those two I mean I, okay. I think we saw we saw Ruthven have problems against Miami United in the first few games yeah. I feel like McFarland has been more solid at right back maybe even Sean Chin at times when he's played but um I don't know because Tyler is such a good player he's just not having a good year yeah. I mean he's a much more accomplished player than a lot of guys in this league he's in a weird situation too where I think last year he was kind of frustrated because it was him and Brad Russin that yeah. basically Basically, were both defenders that were signed to the team and never got to play any second, and they all came from kind of higher tier clubs. So there may be some resentment, or but you'd think it'd be the opposite, where you'd come out and be like, "Okay, I'm going to prove myself and maybe get back into the higher division." Or uh, you know, all these players should look be looking at it like they're being looked at, and they should be able to advance because so many eyes are on our uh, Miami FC as opposed to the other MPSL clubs, and you just don't see it in a game-to-game -game basis in in some players or just inconsistencies. Yeah, the Tyler Ruthman thing is interesting because when he was in this league the first time with Atlanta, he was really good. He got an M MLS shot. Um, 
and I think he's a very good player. He's still fundamentally sound, but there's just been something off, and, and uh, missing Blake, I think, is a big deal, right? It's a bigger deal than maybe we thought it would be. Um, Russin, I, I guess I'm told Russin's been playing in Indy, oh, which surprises yeah, yeah, yeah. me. He's been I, I didn't think missing him was as big a deal, but I think losing Blake Smith has been a, a huge deal. I, I think Russin actually came out the best out of... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I, I would say, you know, sometimes you talk about uh, teams when they gel being greater than the sum of their parts. I think that in the case of that Miami FC back line, they're, they're adding up to a little bit less than the sum of their Holding midfielder to control play out, out of back, it's just misfiring. And, and I think a big storyline that kind of contributes to that idea is the number of red cards that this team has picked up this season. Everyone is a quarter step slow. And it's just, it, it's, not, it's not gelling, it's not clicking. Now, in, in defense of Miami FC 2, it's a team that's playing under such unique circumstances that you can kind of understand, like, all right, it's, it's still, we're trying to get this engine to turn over and it's not quite happening yet. But because of the short season of the MPSL, that won't matter all that much if you get to the end of the season in a month and you're on the outside looking in. Yeah, we're running out of chances now. I mean, I was sitting in the Miami FC office today with some of uh, the employees we see here tonight at this event, uh, trying to figure out the scenarios to jump Jacksonville and jump Miami United, and it might mean winning out. Yeah. It, it could at this point, which is not the position this club was in a year ago. No. They, uh, everyone else had to win out to catch Miami FC yes. a year ago. Um, yeah, the unique circumstances, Matt, is so true. I think people don't understand the pressure of having a team that was arguably the best team we've seen at the Division II level in the United States in the last decade, let's say, um, have the core of that team be dropped to a fourth division by no uh, fault of theirs. Um, political circumstances, you know, we can, uh, people who follow me on Twitter know how I feel about it. I'm very sympathetic towards what's happened to Miami FC, very upset with the Federation, but whatever. You might have the other position, you can still see the, the, the plight of these guys. But um, that has led to frustration and outbursts on the pitch I did not expect from some of these guys. I'll be honest with you. Petulance, like Tyler, we mentioned petulance when he got sent off against Miami United. Chris Tierpak, who I think is a fantastic player, has been a great addition to this team. Was, One moment of madness in the, the open calls. Yeah, that was yeah. the worst of them. That was just that was all error on the player. Yeah, and Rhett, Rhett yesterday, I, I think, was, uh, was again, kind of a little petulance against Jacksonville. And... Um, you know, Rhett, let's back up to that Open Cup game. The, I didn't expect, after going down a man, to have the kind of mistakes from veterans like Red Bernstein that you had in the second half of that Miami United game. Yeah. And again, I think there's this frustration. Generally, when a team like Miami United with veteran players is dropped to 10 men, they've become very focused, they've become very, and up 1-0, they'll see a match out. Instead, within minutes of being reduced to 10 men, Miami United had scored twice. Yep. And then you're chasing the game down a man. And if not for Vega, that might have been 5-6-1, honestly, that game. Yeah, I, I, I think that you're, you're, you're looking at this red card situation with this team, and where are they coming? They're coming in the biggest matches. Yeah. The whole match where you can get that advantage over Miami United, you blow it. The Open Cup match where you're, you've built, you've got, you've got, you've pulled this, you know, this inside straight to get back in the tournament, you get this game again against United, boom, there it is. You get this game against Jacksonville, which can put you back up at the top of the table. Boom, there it comes. When you have a team that's built on experience and a team that's built on that kind of, that core of having that, that's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. And it's unfortunate. And again, you can list off the, the explanations. Don't want to use the word excuses. The explanations. <laughs> but 
But at, at, at some point, the rubber's got to hit the road. At some point, you've got to take off. It's put up or shut up. And that's all it comes down to. Yeah, and you're, yeah, like you said, you're not getting those red cards against uh, Broward Storm or, as Kartik likes to say, Fort Lauderdale Storm. <laughs> <laughs> or um, or uh, even Boca Raton, you know, you're not getting that red card being one or two men up and then getting into the referee. It's always a, you know, a game-changing decision, which has been unfortunate. But, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Luckily, uh, the next game, I think, is uh, Palm Beach United home uh, coming up on Wednesday. Yes. Yep, that's a Wednesday kickoff next they're, week. They're also, they've proven to be a good team. They beat Miami United. They, they held uh, Miami FC 2 to uh, they seem sound. one nothing. Yeah. They seem like a sound I mean, they squad. They have a PDL team, too, yeah, they so they're, they're running a nice operation. They have a DA Academy. I mean, the one last point I'll make about the Miami United Open Cup game was that I feel like the Tierpock red card came at the wrong time also because Miami FC did dominate the first 25 minutes and got a goal. From that point on, Miami United were the better team, and I'm thinking, I'm sitting in the stands with you guys thinking, okay, we're going to get to halftime 1-0, and they probably should have equalized by now. Yes. So That's we've a been, win. We've been, yeah, it's a win. We've been let off, and then Tierpock does that with garbage minutes. Yeah, 10, garbage. Minute, 10 seconds left, left in left. stoppage time, and then you come out of the locker room and Miami United can feel okay. We should have equalized. We didn't, but now we will. Yes. And we're gonna we're gonna equalize. We're gonna take the lead, and we're gonna bury them. And that's what happened. Speaking of Miami United, uh, good time to segue. Uh, the big match last night in South Florida was an Open Cup matchup, Major League Soccer, back in South Florida, back in Miami Dade County, for the second time in two years. It had been a long time before last year uh, since Major League Soccer had visited uh, Miami United, hosting Orlando City. In a Florida derby, uh, it was a highly anticipated matchup. Uh, obviously not the result that people in South Florida were hoping for, uh, but it, it was a pretty interesting spectacle. I will say, as I mentioned before, I was in the Magic City Soccer Media headquarters uh, clipping up video uh, to distribute out on Twitter. Uh, but, Drew, you were out there. Kartik, uh, you were out there, yes? Uh, no, I was watching the Miami FC game. That was oh, that's stupidity. right, yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> you messed up. You, you were with I me. I messed up. So let's Even go. To I'm wearing purple for, <laughs> to make up for Orlando. You, you were the man on the scene, Drew. What did you see at the match last night? Yeah, it was a good game. Uh, Miami United actually came out very aggressive, and I think uh, I think fairly they dominated possession. Not dominated possession, but they had better possession. I'd say it'd be 60-40 in the first half. They weren't doing much with the ball when they had possession. Orlando was making a lot better chances, but, uh, you know, Miami United was working it up the sides. Um, it kind of seemed like they were giving uh, our buddy PC. Uh, yes. A lot of space, a lot of space. Yes. Just in that first half, any time he got the ball, he had, you know, good, thank God there's uh, football lines on the pitch, but 10, <laughs> 10 or 15 clearly visible marked yards on the field to, to go and kind of do his magic. So everything came up the left, and every ball was like him to Pino. It was like watching an old strikers game. Yeah. And, uh, unfortunately for Miami United, Ochoa got injured, I think, around the 20th minute or so. Yeah. And uh, they are they're playing down a man for, for a while because clearly they wanted him to stay on the pitch because of his scoring abilities. We've all seen what he could do. And he got back on for a bit. Yeah, he got back on for a bit. He kind of limped around a little and... Uh, you know, it, it, it just wasn't working out. The other thing, too, is I, I was thinking, like, United was pressing really hard in the first 20 minutes, and, like, even even the first ball of the game, it was very clear they were trying to launch it down and get a quick goal. So their strategy was net one and then, like, park the bus or get an early goal. So they were trying really hard for the first 20 minutes, but just watching it, I was like, if they don't get a goal in this first half, they are going to be so smoked at the 70th minute, 80th yeah. minute that 
that's when that Orlando training is going to come in and that, that MLS style. But yeah, once once play. Orlando got the goal and Ochoa was off, you know, you, you kind of had the feeling it was doomed. Uh, Miami Miami United held it down. They made some good subs and they, they kept it they kept it interesting. But at the end of the day, MLS MLS them. But uh, not to it, make it. Sorry, oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say uh, towards the end, uh, you could tell their frustrations when it was three nothing. There were a couple. Uh, what we call in the MPSL classical near fights. Yes. <laughs> yeah, a couple just, assistants were sent off. Yeah, two two of the assistant yes. coaches from United were, were sent out of the game. But uh, yeah, all in all, I mean, I, I got to give it up to United though. It was three nothing, but it, it was it was a well well played game, and they, they did a good job of hosting it and everything. So it was. I will say not to make everything uh, Liverpool centric on my behalf, <laughs> but that match last night reminded me so much of the Champions League final against Real Madrid, where you have a team that's a, a little... Oh, I thought the goalies played well. Well, <laughs> a team that was... a team. Well, well, I'll come to that in a second. A team that was the underdog uh, making a game of it and then a key injury to a key player who had been kind of a talismanic figure completely changing things. Now, you almost had the goalie error on the part of Orlando City. Yeah. Where that, there was almost a, a Loris Carius type goal Who was given the up. for Orlando? Was it Edwards or was it uh, Bender? Uh, I, I feel like it was Edwards. I yeah, could be wrong. Backup, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, there was nearly a huge mistake that gave up a goal on their end. But the, it, once that once Ochoa was out, I, I hate I hate to, you know, I mean, the game's over. Who cares? Uh, once Ochoa was out, I just felt like, man, it's not going to happen. It's not meant to be their night. And, you know, they had uh, Gorbsov on the bench. They they have capable talent yeah, to come Victor, in. Victor, Victor Pillay. I don't know if he was injured. Or, I, I was expecting to see him. I was expecting for them to, like, well, once they were down 3 nothing, I was, you know, I think at that point they were out of subs, but even down 2 nothing, I thought they were just going to kind of flip the script and just go, like, hey, you know what? If we're going to lose, let's lose 5-1. Like, yes. let's at least net something. The thing something. about Miami United that we've seen, and then we saw about Miami Fusion last year, and then uh, David Ochoa when he played with the Strikers uh, reserve team, um, teams that he's on play through him. And yeah. he dictates the tempo, he dictates the place of play, and he's a creative force. Uh, particularly with a team like Miami United, in this circumstance, you take him out, I do, I think, Matt, you're right. It's like t- taking Mo Salah out of that Liverpool team. Um it's a devastating thing, and, and obviously the thing I was concerned about coming into this game, as Drew mentioned, the fitness levels, um, as great as these guys have done at Miami United, you know their fitness levels are not going to be at the level of MLS players. So I was hoping maybe get an early goal, which is the same thing they were thinking. Right. Get an early goal, absorb some pressure, maybe then get an error, because Orlando, look, Orlando, what has happened the previous two years against uh, Miami FC and against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers is that they made errors. Yes. against uh, both those teams that allowed uh, Pino and PC, the two names you mentioned, then they poached those players once they beat them, right, yes. um, to, to beat them. So I thought, okay, Orlando's probably got an error in there. Yeah. And if Miami United can get an early goal and then get one of those errors, maybe they win 2-1. And that was um, still, you know, what a what a great occasion for Roberto Saka. I, I, I mean, I'm a, it's a shame I wasn't there. I would have loved to have been there, but I'm so proud of what that club has done for soccer in this town, in this area. Actually, not just in this town, in this area, in this state, because without Roberto, we wouldn't have an NPSL Sunshine Conference. I don't know if people realize that. Yeah. He's on her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, no, he created. I mean, he yeah. brought NPSL to the state. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was going to say, I think, too, kind of uh, United's game plan was maybe the, the Christos uh, DC United, yeah. and that's kind of what happened to yes. Christos and DC United last year, where I think Christos got on the board, but then 
once you hit that 70 to 80th yeah. minute, you see those you guys, are just, uh, they're just you toast. You want to go to extra time yeah. uh, against yeah. those teams. Yeah, so it was, as you said, Kartik, I think it's a really important point. Roberto Saka... Uh, the godfather is is, godfather. is the godfather of 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 running a team down here. You know he has been here in this market with a team longer than anyone else, and it works. It works for that club, and they've gotten to this this highest height so far for them. And there's no reason to believe they won't grow further and get better and better because it seems to be run the right way. And and we've talked about it over and over on this podcast. Coming into this NBSL season, everyone was like, oh, Jacksonville, Miami FC. Jacksonville, Miami FC. Well, who's got the glory right now? Who's got the headlines? It's the team that's been here before. It's Miami United, and they deserve all the credit in the world. And and that they deserve that crowd last night. Respect they deserve your elders. That, they, yes, they Respect deserve your elders. They deserve that pageantry. They deserve that event. Uh, Orlando advancing on to play DC United. Um, obviously, South Florida is going to be a little bit heartbroken at that, but but. Now we focus on the conference. Now we focus on the NPSL season. Um, going forward, Miami United, how do you think they adjust? Now that the, the Open Cup is off the table, how do you think they move forward, Cardi? Well, there are, two, there are two kind of frames of thought and two ways this can go. It can go the way it went for Miami FC last year, which is you continue to soar even after uh, you lose to Cincinnati. You, go to, you beat San Francisco 7-0. You beat Jacksonville 3-0. And you run away with the NASL. Or it could go the way it did when... A, I was with the Strikers two years ago. Fort Lauderdale gets all the way to the um, quarterfinals. Same thing as Miami FC, right? Loses to Chicago and Chicago, and then it was season's over type of thing. I think Miami United is focused. That uh, And we got to find out how serious the show is. Yes, that's, that's a big important. caveat. Big but I caveat. think that they're focused that where maybe there'll be a one-game hangover, but then they've got two games left with Jacksonville. If they win one of those two games, they're in full position still in this conference. Um the scenario for Miami FC is to see both those games end up as draws. Yes. Now, if there's a winner in any either of those games, or a winner in both games, I think that puts Miami FC distinctly third. Yes. Um, now, with Miami United, uh, James Marceline, big signing. We haven't talked about former Fort Lauderdale striker player. Yes. Actually, the glue of the strikers team that was so close to winning the NASL in 2014. Um, Big James Marceline. Big, big James Marceline, yes. Uh, uh, ode to Bruce Silverman, right, because... Uh, um, obviously, Marceline was the key on that strikers team in 14 and in 15, the team that uh, PC and, and Steve Pino played with. I think he's going to give Miami United a lot in central midfield and allow Ochoa to go forward more. And um, Victor Pelé, obviously, is a player that uh, I know well. I mean, I play pickup games with him and work, work with me at the strikers. Uh, he's had a good start to the season, although there, maybe there's some fitness issues now. I, I'll find out. I don't know if it's that or injury, but I just, yeah, I found it weird that he didn't play a minute uh, yesterday's game, but that could have been a strategy. And when they're down, maybe they were trying to, you know, work some other sort of offense. But And their winger, uh, Drew, what's his name again? The one on the, the one that was tearing Rootsman apart. Oh, no, uh, Privetiro. Privetiro, yeah. yeah. Yes, that guy yeah. is good. Yeah. Oh, yes. so, and he's young, so that I think he's going to hold up. Yes. Um, now, the thing that I had thought wrongly was that with, my, with both Miami FC and with Jacksonville, there would be some sort of, and this goes back to your point about Orlando City, professional fitness level that late in games against Miami FC, uh, against Miami United, Miami United would drop off in Jacksonville and Miami FC would take those games. The opposite has yes. happened, yes. if yes. anything. Yes. I feel like Miami United really took advantage of the fact that everyone was picking against them. Not to make it sports cliche, but um, 
yeah, they seem to have come ready for this season more ready than any other team. Yeah. You know, the other teams, when they're winning, they're winning because they have, they have maybe a little bit higher skill. Miami United is winning because they're smart, because they're organized, because they're producing these, these moments of skill to match those teams and taking advantage of every scenario that, that's been put in front of them. And maybe that's their, their other motivation, too, to come out the gates and keep winning games is that, unlike the NASL, you still need to fight for your Open Cup slot from last year. So if I'm Roberto, the next game they play, I'm going to kick those lockers and be like, hey, remember how much fun it was to get to play Orlando? You still have to finish at this spot. You still got to complete out the season if you want to do this next year. So, you know, where, where NASL, you're guaranteed a spot. So maybe if you get out the Open Cup, you maybe get a bit sluggish, which probably happened to the Strikers. Uh, you know, but this is, you still have to keep fighting because if you want to play in the Open Cup, guess what? You got to qualify. And well, I, I, that's an issue for Miami FC. Sorry, sorry, yes, Matt. No, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Uh, uh, it would be a disaster to not qualify for the Open Cup next year. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm telling you honestly, uh, maybe we'll have an answer in a couple of weeks, but, uh, and they have to chase the season now because Miami United not only had this Open Cup run, but they sit in pole position to take that spot for next year. And, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that this is an area where youth will benefit Miami United because it's not, oh, man, we're out of the cup. Oh, man. It's we played Orlando. As you said, we played Orlando, and it's all in front of us to do it again. We have the whole thing in front of us again. It's right there for the taking. It, 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 they're not grizzled professionals. They're kids who have gotten the chance. They've taken it, and they've got a taste of it now. And I think it's going to be very, this last few weeks of this NPSL season are going to be super duper. Not that it, it's, it's always interesting down here with soccer. Something crazy is always happening. But this season, I think last year, you know, the season was fun for us, but it was a little boring overall. This season is going to be very exciting for everyone involved through to the end. Yeah, and I think uh, Miami United has a shot if they, assuming they win the Sunshine Conference, they have a shot to win this national championship oh, yeah. uh, yes. based on what I've seen around the country. Uh, that may sound like some homerism, but I think yeah. Robbie Roberto Sacco, the Godfather, as Drew has dubbed him, um, they, he he he's got the he had the best run in U.S. Open Cup of an NPSL team. They could win a national championship. Yes, I, I think they have the elements, and bringing in Marceline gives them that glue in midfield. Yeah. And I think the other thing, like Detroit, Detroit in the past years, like they've kind of been notorious for flopping out to the Bucks in the Open Cup. This year, they beat the Bucks, lost to Cincy, but. Their competition is terrible. Like, they have yeah. no worthy opponents in league play. They smoke somebody 11 1. Yeah. yeah, and then the other day they beat somebody 8 nothing. Like, I think by the time they get to the playoffs, like, I think Chattanooga is always kind of a, a front runner in, yeah. in the in the MPSL. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I like Minneapolis. Uh, <laughs> but it's interesting. No, I, uh, to, do, to do a weird transition, I'll, I'll spend five, four seconds talking on this. You know, it's not looking good for the Open Cup next year. Who's that? FC Miami City. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. 0-4, lost to Weston 3-2 away. They lost their first three home games. Uh, they lost a lot of their international players. The The roster's mainly FIU players now, and yes. FIU did so great in the NCAA last year that it's kind of surprising, and, uh, you know, you have the same coaching staff, so that it's not looking good. Uh, surprisingly, uh, Sema, SEMA's in second place, but the Lakeland Tropics are running away with that the, league this year. The Lakeland Tropics, they, it came down to the wire last year with yeah. them, and it seems that they've taken the momentum from last yeah. year and just carried it on through. But you're right, Drew, FC Miami City is really just dragging. They are dragging through this season. Yeah, I, I thought um, Lakeland, 
got, got a lot of experience. Now everyone was complaining about this road trip they had to make in the Open Cup. They had to go to Midland, Texas yes. to play in the first round of the Open Cup. But it seems like it hardened the team. Yeah. And they come back into PDL and they're flying. They're absolutely flying. I think Lakeland will be in the Open Cup next year. They'll be in the PDL playoffs, and, and they're another team to watch. Yeah, so a lot going on down here, obviously. Uh, again, if you're just joining us, we hear it. Perez Art Museum Miami in downtown uh, Miami, Florida, uh, overlooking Biscayne Bay, uh, sun setting just over the Arch Center behind us. Uh, we're, until 9 o'clock tonight, you can come out and check their um, That's soccer. That's going to be podcasting till. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're going to keep it going. Another hour, let's do it. Yeah. Um, we're going to interview the janitor later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to pick up any number of artists. Um, but yeah, so we're uh, down here till 9 o'clock. They're doing their exhibit of soccer-specific World Cup theme art. It's really fantastic. You come check it out now between uh, now and September, especially at the summer uh, months have gone on. Uh, what do you say? Uh, tomorrow, remind me. Tomorrow. Oh, good. Hey, 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 hey. All right. Tomorrow, Winwood uh, Marketplace, the Neymar Junior Fives National Finals taking place in uh, in. Really? Our life died, but we'll just keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. Okay. So uh, Jimmy Conrad will be there if you yes. want to say hi to Jimmy Conrad. So uh, yeah, the, the national tournament for the Neymar Soccer Five taking place in Winwood Marketplace uh, Friday. Uh, it's, I believe it's noon to eight. Saturday noon to ten. Uh, a lot going on down in Winwood. There's just so much soccer stuff going on. Um, yeah, what do you say? I guess that's probably our cue, right? Wrap it up. Yeah, uh, the uh, video feed died, so yeah. We'll so just have to edit all this. Yes. Uh, so, Kartik, uh, thank, thank you so you, much. Thank you, guys. Anytime. This was fun. Excellent. We're definitely going to want to have. We'll get you, back you in a better setting next time without uh, booty bass music. <laughs> yeah. No, and I want I want to be here after a Liverpool win for Matt. I mean, the Champions League finals. Oh, so close to a glorious post game podcast. Um, it's heartbreaking. I know. Single Everyone who's not, no one likes Real Madrid, okay? <laughs> Outside of Real Madrid fans. You're, you're in Miami, Madrid. though, so don't say that too loud. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Keep it down. Keep it down. That, that's, that's the one city That's the Broward coming out of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Broward's Barcelona, right? <laughs> Barcelona fans. Yeah, so, uh, Drew, thank you as always. Uh, I've been Matthew Bunch. Again, thank you for listening. And until next time, uh, go Miami FC, go Miami United, and go Miami Soccer. Vincenzo, I miss you.